So um, just to introduce myself, uh, my name is Chris Athey. Uh, my wife, Felicia, and I, we uh, are oversee the uh, outreach and ministry team uh, here at Journey Church, and, um, and I, I appreciate Pastor Sean providing me the opportunity to come and, and share today. And I'll tell you, this message really started to penetrate uh, and, and really seeds were planted in my heart coming out of the sermon series that just we finished up, which was Famous Last Words. And Pastor Sean hit on a lot of passages of scriptures that reference the Apostle Paul. And, and I'll tell you, the one thing that stuck out to me, obviously the, the positive points that Pastor Sean shared and things like that, but one thing that did kind of highlight as we went over that was Paul had a lot of bad days. And, and so I was looking at that and, and, and pondering on, God, you know, what do you want me to talk about today? And that's the phrase that, that just kept going through my head was, so you had a bad day. And so I want to just kind of talk on that. But of course, if you've ever heard me speak, I got to make sure I've got your attention first, okay? So uh, I got to bring a little bit of humor uh, into the message. So, so you had a bad day. I was able to collect a couple images uh, of people that have had a bad day. So let's check out this, this first image. <laughs> you know what? It is safe to say this guy, he's having a bad day. All he was trying to do is, you know, put in a good day's work. You know, the paint was in the back. Who, know, who knew that someone was going to stop short in front of him and all that paint was going to come forward? So next one. That has that ever happened to anybody? I'm just curious. Oh my dear Lord! People raise their hands. Uh, I don't even know what to say to that other than I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. You had a bad day. There. What's the next one? Oh, <laughs> isn't that terrible? She has waited all year to go, and. And now she still doesn't qualify. And here's what's bad about this scenario is I'm very confident this is the first ride. And every ride they get to, she's going to run up to the next sign. And she's going to think she grew two inches in a matter of like three minutes. Uh, so it's not only a bad day for her, but it's a bad day for the parents and everybody involved. So I think it's safe to say she can say she had a bad day. Next one. All right, so, so this one hits a little close to home. This is our, our grandbaby, uh, Charlie. Uh, they were in a, a, a wreck. She broke her leg. This was about a year ago. Uh, so this is kind of an old video. Um, but again, she's, she's fine. You know, you can see here in the next picture where it shows that she's recovered just fine. So she's, she's good to go. So, and, and what's funny is if you can read her shirt, it says, I survived vacation with Nana and Papa. Uh, so... So anyway, so, so you had a bad day. Well, honestly, uh, thinking of my granddaughter and her broken bone actually brought me to remember another story from my childhood. But the truth is, if I shared this story, you wouldn't believe it. So I'm going to have someone uh, help me share that story today. So check out the video above. Hey, church. Uh, I'm here speaking to you with a special guest, uh, my, my mom, all the way from uh, Montgomery, Alabama, uh, is joining us, uh, Brenda Athey. So, uh, mom, say hey to everybody. 
Hey. <laughs> All right. So uh, I had to bring her on to share this story because I felt like if I just shared it, you wouldn't believe me. Uh, so, Mom, let me ask you a question. Um, when do you remember that event that happened uh, back when I was in third grade on the playground? Oh, yes. So if you can help us jog our memory, what event am I talking about? The one where you broke both arms of one of the girls in your class. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess to, to put it bluntly, that's it. That's exactly what happened. Now, um, do you remember how you found out about that? Uh, you know, you know, supposed incident. Well, to be honest. I think I was in shock when you, who, I don't even know who told me. I just remember all I could think was broke both arms and, and thinking one would be bad enough, but I can't believe he broke two. What was he doing? What were they doing? So what you're telling me is it scarred you so bad you have mentally blocked it out. I think so. I think so. I, I, I don't even know how I found out, but the only way it could have been you came home and told me. So... Was that a proud moment for you as a mom or what? Not exactly. I was, I was, I do remember thinking, I can't believe he's done this now. Well, I just wanted to, you know, bring you in front of the church just to share that because I know that if I just shared that, everybody probably wouldn't believe me. So I appreciate you taking the time out tonight to. Uh, share that. And then, you know, I guess at the same time, I want to publicly say thank you for not giving up on me as well. And, uh, and I love you. And thanks for thanks for doing this for me. You're welcome. Love you too. All right. So going back into how I was motivated to talk about this subject in famous last words, I can explain. Or normally that's preceded by officer, I can explain. But um, <laughs> And, and just for the record, um, you know, she was on this uh, concrete little thing, and she was really involved in gymnastics, and she kept saying, hey, I'm going to jump off, and I'm going to do a toe touch. And I kept, you know, horse playing, you know, acting like I was going to grab her leg. And for some reason, in one of those times that I pretended I was going to grab her leg, she proceeded to jump and do a toe touch. Um, but for the record, I did not do that. This kid right here is the one who did it. I mean, seriously, look at that kid don't have a care in the world. I mean, I guarantee you this, understand this is picture day. This is picture day. And this was the effort he was giving his hairdo, probably like 30 seconds. And then oh, we're, we're fine. We're good. Let's go on. So anyway, but all kidding aside. So, so you had a bad day. And so we're talking about Paul here today. And Paul was, again, you could almost argue the king of bad days. And, and just to kind of set the table a little bit for, for the story that we're going to talk about with Paul, you know, Paul started out as Saul and Saul persecuted Christians. And so Saul persecuted Christians. Uh, he, a light came down. He was spoken to by God on the road to Damascus, asked the question, Paul or Saul, why do you persecute me? 
And so he's blinded and he's sent to Damascus. And so now he's in Damascus and he's waiting on Ananias, who God said is going to come to him and help him receive his sight. And so we're picking the story up there in Acts chapter 9 in verse 10 where it reads, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And 14 goes on to say, And he has come here with authority from chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so we look right here at the story of, of Saul, Paul's conversion, and we're looking at, Paul, his whole calling was to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And so I look at that scripture and I say, you know what? Exactly how did Paul suffer? You look at Paul and some of his sufferings, if you do the, the history of him, he suffered four different shipwrecks, one involving where he was uh, open, in open sea for all day and all night. He was repeatedly imprisoned. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was stoned. His days were full of danger, including uh, many cold and sleepless nights, as well as many hungry and thirsty days. So that's what Paul's kind of MO was to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And the reason that I want to kind of communicate that, because the truth is, as we as believers, sometimes we have this perception that living for God is going to be all about blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. But the truth is that there's going to be some struggles that we encounter and that we have to fight and that we have to overcome. But we have a reference here in the Word of God that we can reference and look to for an example of how we are to carry ourselves and how we hard act when those things come and try and take us down as we struggle against those things. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 where it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He also says in Romans 5, 3 through 5, Not only that, but rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I mean, that's a bold statement to say to rejoice in our sufferings. And really the reason I want to kind of bring this is because, again, at the end of the day, we all have some bad days. And we all have situations that we go through. But what differentiates us from other individuals is it's not about us getting hit with bad days. It's how do we respond to those bad days. You know what? Because the truth is we are defined by who we are in Jesus Christ, not by those bad days. And Paul teaches us how to respond to those things. So I want to reference one of Paul's bad days uh, that we find in Acts chapter 27, and this was one of his shipwrecks. And so we want to go into Acts chapter 27 and verse 1, 
And it reads, and, it was, and when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. So again, we're finding Paul. He's imprisoned, and he's on a ship. He's a prisoner, and he's on a ship. And so we jump forward to verse 9 where it says, Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, and not only, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. So again, he's imprisoned. Now he's on a boat with a bunch of other prisoners, and it, is a, it has become a dangerous voyage, and he's perceiving that there's going to be loss of life, there's going to be a loss of a lot of things. And so then we jump forward to... Verse 18, where it says, Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, where neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. So you have to admit just what is being described right here. This is a bad day for Paul. He's imprisoned. He's warned that there's going to be perhaps a loss of life. And now it has gotten so bad, all hope is lost for everybody. But then Paul jumps up in verse 21 to say, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. That's Paul really nice saying, I told you so. Uh, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that is exactly as I have been told. So I think this is very interesting, and uh, I want to make one quick point, and then I'm going to come back to the Scriptures. And that is, Paul is sitting there, and he's talking about, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss. But then the angel of the Lord comes on the scene and provides a different reality. And the first point that I just kind of want to make right here, and that is, our perception is not necessarily God's conclusion. You know, a lot of times we'll go through situations and we'll have something in front of us and we're just thinking, hey, the only explanation, or the only way that this is going to turn out and we develop a certain idea and perceive of what things are going to be. But when God gets involved, the conclusion doesn't always match our perception. You know, you might be going through some things today you might be in the middle of a bad day, a bad week, a bad season. But can I tell you what you're perceiving right now? Find yourself in God because God might have a different conclusion for you. God might want to show you something different than you're seeing right now because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But if we lean into him and push ourselves into that presence, God can have a way of showing us things. And so then we go on to Acts chapter 27 and verse 41 through 44, and it reads, But striking a reef 
They ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stem was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wish, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make it for the land and the rest of the planks on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. So, again, we read in the scripture before that all hope was lost and abandoned, yet we see in verse 44 that all were brought safely to land, which leads me to my second point, which is when you've lost all hope, there is still hope through God. You know, they relied on the faith that they have in God. Paul said, hey, this God that I serve, the one that I worship, says no lives will be lost, even though all their hope was gone. You know, you may be looking at the situation and you, you really just see no hope. You really see no way out. You really see no answers. But I'm here to kind of help remind us that there is hope in God. There is hope in a relationship with God, but you're not going to be able to see it on your own. That's the one thing that I appreciate about Paul is whenever he encountered an obstacle or a struggle or a situation, all he did was push himself more and more to that relationship with God. That's why Paul was able to find pleasure in his sufferings because all of those sufferings, all they did was reinforce the importance of getting and staying in the presence of God. And we too can have that same reality by making ourselves being intentional to get into the presence of God. So, so you had a bad day. The reason this message and really this mindset speaks to me more because, or at least speaks to me at a high level, is because I've just recently come out of having a bad day. And so I'm going to get transparent and real with you guys for just a minute. So, it was in the middle of this month of January that I, I got a call from a doctor. And, you know, I appreciate a high level of customer service. But whenever the doctor calls you at a 5.30 on a Friday evening, it's probably not good news. And, and so, the neurologist called and said, hey, I... I can you talk? And so me and my wife sat down. I put it on speaker. And I said, okay, go ahead. And she said, I just want you to know that we've taken some time to look at your MRI. Uh, and she said that uh, I see seven old lesions on your brain. She says, you have three active ones. And she said, we need to do some additional MRIs to look at your spine. And they found two more. And she diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis or MS. And I was there. And is it safe to say at that point I was having a bad day? You know, the truth is I was having a bad day. I've been having a bad week. I've been having a bad month. It was a combination of a bad season to where at that point when she, you know, we were at a position where we knew some news was coming, and it probably wasn't good just because of the physical toll that it had played on my body uh, over the last months. And, you know, it got to a point, I never got to a point where I, I needed a, a walker or, or a cane, but I, I was right there. 
and my mobility was greatly restricted. My left side of the body was really uh, disabled. I, my left arm wouldn't work right. And, and the last part was when I was having trouble, if I wasn't intentional, I would start slurring my words. And she's like, I'm calling you because based upon the progression of what you're sharing with me, the next thing is, is you're not going to be able to swallow. And if that happens, you need to go to the hospital. And she's like, I'm calling you from my cell phone because I want you to call me if that happens so that I can treat you. Guys, I was having a bad day. But it was my relationship with God that got me through it and why I'm standing here today. You know, it was, amen. So me and my wife, you know, we huddled up and we said, you know what, hey, it's, it's time to fight. It's not about the situation that we're facing, it's how we respond to it. And we had made a decision to walk in victory. And, and as we, we kind of prayed about that, of how to handle it, you know, all of you are very important to me. But I didn't share this because, again, we wanted to walk in victory. We want the testimony to be part of, hey, look back on this over a period of time and say, hey, I had no idea you were going through this. And you're right, because I refused to be a victim. I chose to walk in victory. And so I went through all the different things I was supposed to do to, to try and, you know, I knew that God wanted me well, whether it was through his healing power or assistance from doctors. And so I went through the progression that I had to go to to get to that point and went through all the, you know, awesome spinal taps and lumbar punctures. And, you know, when you get five to six MRIs done in a short period of time, they're going to find something, you know. So I've got needles in my back and in my neck and in my arm and just everything across the board. But we continued to, to walk in victory through that whole thing. And I'll tell you that there was a season where, you know, some days were better than others. And some days I would have about, you know, you track your steps. I'd have about 200 steps, and that was it. That's all I had. That's all I had the energy for. That's all I could do. But I'm a, I like to pray, and I like to pace. So you better believe I'm going to use my 200 steps to pray. And so uh, in the morning, I would pace, and I would pray, and I'd say, and of course, I remember the, the morning that God spoke to me. It was more of a, an infinity crazy eight sign that I could I had trouble walking in a straight line um, and and I remember during that day God told me I said God I need a word I said I'm tired I need you to show me something I need you to talk to me and we were having a transparent conversation and he told me he said he said just row the boat and I was like and, of course, my sense of humor was not gone. I said, God, you know, I'm not really interested in getting on the water right now. I appreciate the suggestion. <laughs> I said, in case you've forgotten, my, my, my limbs are not really working appropriately. Um, and he, he just kept saying it over again. I just heard it again again, row, row the boat. Just row the boat. Row the boat. And so I was like, all right, God, I know you're speaking to me. Let me, let me find, let me get into, dig into your word of God. And so... I was brought to John chapter 6, verse 16 and 18, where it says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, 
and Jesus had not yet joined them, and a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. And I stopped right there, and I said, you know, this, this sounds about right, because I'm in a dark season. The water's rough. The wind's blowing. But I kept reading, starting in verse 19, it says, And when they rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And as I read through that scripture, I felt God tell me, he says, you know what? You just row the boat, and I'm going to show up in your situation. You know, I feel like God's even speaking to some people to hear because I know I'm not the only one going through stuff. I know I'm not the only one that has a fight on their hands, that, that has a struggle, that has obstacles they're trying to overcome. But I believe that God's saying similar things to you of, hey, he just wants you to row the boat. He just wants you to do what you're supposed to do and what you know to do. Be intentional to get in his presence, and I promise you, he's going to show up in your situation. Because why? Because the God that we serve is a faithful God. And he will make a way where there seems to be no way because he is a way maker. And so I continued on, and I continued to, to row the boat and do what I was supposed to do. And, and can I tell you that the enemy does not like us to fight back. But, of course, we're going to do that because we're the stronger, we're, we're more powerful. You know, the Bible speaks to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so we know that we have the power and authority that comes with us. And so I had made great strides and God was doing awesome things. And I started to see some significant progress in the restoration of my health. I was rowing the boat, doing everything. God was showing up. And, you know, just to give the devil a black eye... I, I told Pastor Sean, I said, hey, I, I think I'm to the point where, you know, if opportunity opens up, I'll get up there and share and I'll get up there and speak. And, uh, and so an opportunity came up in May and, and I spoke and I remember still fighting things, still going through things. And I was really worried about my left hand through the whole process. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to hold the mic with my right because I didn't want to hold it with my left because I didn't want to drop the mic and bring attention to it. And so I held it to the right. The problem was is I didn't take into account my fingers weren't going to work right and I couldn't turn the pages. You know, So as I'm sitting there preaching, it's almost like the enemy starts working on my mind saying, you know what, you can try all you want. And, and he kept saying, the enemies kept planting seeds in my head, saying three different things. He says, you're broken, you're damaged goods, and you'll never be the same. And he kept planting those seeds over and over and over. And, and believe me, I know what the scripture says. And so what I first thing I did is I applied 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 where it says, casting down imaginations at every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, every thought and obedience to Christ. So I knew that my responsibility as a believer, hey, I've got to take this thought captive. You know, and I begin to speak out those things. And sometimes that's always easier said than done. So I went to God and said, hey, you know, I'm, th I'm taking this thought captive, but I need another word. I need another word. I'm rowing the boat, but I feel like I've kind of plateaued. I need some strength, and 
and God gave me this message. He said, you need to move beyond caring and become passionate. He says, you care about your health and you want it restored, but there's a difference between caring about your health and being passionate about your health. You know, and I think that's a message that all of us can apply to so many of the situations. You know what? You might care about a lot of stuff, but are you passionate about it? Because there's the difference. Because see, when you care about something, yeah, you'll go to a certain level, but, but I'm not going to go that extra mile. Someone who's passionate is going to go that extra mile. And so I went to the scripture and I said, okay, God, show me more what you're talking about. And so he went back to that same story of rowing the boat, but from Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 and 29. And again, they've come across Jesus. He's on the water. And then Matthew 14, 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. That's what passionate looks like. When Peter was willing to not be satisfied with just being in the presence of God, but saying, you know what? I want to see and experience the supernatural. I want to step out of the boat. You know, I think in some of our situations, I think God is at that point. Well, one, perhaps we're in the situation we need to start rowing the boat. But I think there's a lot of us perhaps that are at the position where, hey, God wants us to move beyond caring and become passionate. He wants us to start stepping out of the boat. He wants to step out to say, hey, God, I want to see exactly what you have for me. See, Peter's was passionate by stepping out of the boat, and he experienced the supernatural. Paul was passionate enough to rejoice in the sufferings, and it's no surprise that what? He wrote 13 books of the New Testament, and that he completed three long missionary journeys, and he was an accomplished church planner and preacher, and he gave strength and encouragement to the early church, and he, truth is, he laid the foundation for where we are today. And it all came because he was called and he partook in his sufferings. And as I began to look at this a little bit further, I was like, okay, how does all this tie together? You know, the, the definition, suffering, that is the meaning for the Latin word paseo, which in the English word is passion. It's one that's called the Passion Week. That's why it was called the passion of the Christ because everything that Jesus Christ did for us was out of passion. If we're going to follow and operate in a way that Jesus wants us to operate, we've got to move beyond caring and become passionate. So as the worship team comes back, I guess one thing that I want to do is encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to love on you. Just know this, that I today am walking in victory, and I today continue to speak out healing. You know, if you notice when I shared my situation, I said I was diagnosed, and I didn't say that I have, because I refuse to accept that label. Because the only label that I'll accept is who I am in God, and I am a child of the King. And by being a child of the king, I'm entitled to all the royalties that come with his kingdom. And that is, the word says, by his stripes, we are healed. And that's what I'm going to walk in, and that's what I'm going to speak out, and that's what I'm going to testify to on a regular basis. It has nothing to do with how I feel. I'm going to continue to operate in that faithfulness. If you come up to me and ask me, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm going to give you one or two answers. I'm going to say, I'm doing better. Why? Why? Because the scripture says better is one day 
in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. You know what? Things are better in the presence of God and I'm with God, so I'm better. Or I'm gonna say, I'm doing good. And that's because everything that God does is good. God is good. And I'm operating and I'm staying in that presence. So I encourage you, as we stand all over this place and enter back into worship, I have one challenge for you as we do this. Yeah, I realize others are in similar fights as me, or perhaps you have your own situation that you're going through. You have your own obstacle that you're facing. You have your own struggles that God is speaking to your heart about. Can I encourage you to just lean into the presence of God? That was my progression to restoration, but God may have a completely different formula, a different thing for you, but I do believe that God wants us to to row the boat. I believe that God wants to show up in our situations. I believe that God wants us to move beyond just caring and become passionate about the things of Him. And again, understand, it's kind of the culture of our church to operate in this way. I mean, the the ladies' meeting that just happened, I mean, it was all about women sharing their stories and how they're operating in victory. They're moving beyond caring. They've become passionate. They're, 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 they're rowing the boat. They're doing the things that, that God will have them to do. They're responding in a positive way. And we're entering into next year, a 100-day dare. I got a dare for you. I dare you to operate passionately going forward. Amen. Be passionate about your relationship with God. Be passionate about your relationship with your spouse. Hey, the enemy wants to take it down. He don't want you to care about it. God wants you to be passionate about those things. Hey, your kids, the enemy's coming after them. We got to be passionate about these things. So as we enter into worship one last time, I encourage you and challenge you to just take this time to get into the presence of God and say, God, show me where you want me to row the boat. Show me where you want me to be passionate. God, show me the direction and the path of how to respond to the things that I'm going through. And I promise you that God will meet you there. Let's worship one more time.